Hey folks, welcome to the final DC3Cast of 2018. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we're going to talk about the DC Comics that were released on December 19th, 2018. But first, we just want to uh, sort of make a quick note here. I mentioned this in a uh, little recorded bit at the start of our last episode, but we have given a lot of praise over the last six months or so to Border Town, the new Vertigo series that um, illustrated by Ramon uh, Villalobos, illustrated by Eric Esquivel. And um, for those that haven't heard, Esquivel was uh, accused of sexual assault early last week. I guess by the time you're hearing this, probably two, maybe even three weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know, we just wanted to, to just, you know, make the statement that obviously we did not know any of this about Esquivel while praising this book. It sounds silly to even say that, but I, I just feel like there is going to be such a, how can I put this? I just want to make sure that everybody recognizes that the reasons we like Border Town are entirely antithetical to supporting someone like Esquivel if these allegations are true. And so this is, I presume, unless it gets sort of tangentially referenced, the last time we're going to talk about that book in any real way. Um, and yeah, just, you know, wanted to reaffirm our, uh, our support for the accuser. Uh, you know, as uh, I had written a statement for Multiversity when this all happened and, uh, I talked it over with Matt Garcia, my co-editor, and we were just talking about the language we wanted to use. And the thing we we wanted to really say is that, you know, obviously we, we believe um, people who come forward with this stuff. That That's just we would much rather err on the side of believing the victim than trying to wait for, uh, you know, an accused, the accused to, you know, make a statement or whatever. You know, we I, I think I speak for all three of us when I say we hope that this isn't true. Because it would just be nice to live in a world where this isn't true. But Esquivel has uh, wiped his social media, has disappeared, has refused to make a comment about any of this. And uh, it doesn't look very good. You know, the entire art team quit for the book. And DC has canceled it and made all the first four issues returnable. Which is um, a a pretty staggering move for DC to do. Uh, So it, it seems like... You know, this is probably a, as credible an accusation as there is, and and I just wanted to to get that out there before we start the show. Um, anything you guys want to add to that? Um, yeah, go, oh, go, go ahead, for it, Zach. There you go. You go. Well, I was just gonna say, kind of like going off something you said, Brian. Like, just want to make it clear our, on our stance that um, I feel like there definitely are arguments for separating a work of art from their problem from its problematic artist um but i i just personally don't feel like that's something that we really need to do here um because i i also think that if these accusations are true um it kind of undermines the art in a lot of ways because border town is a book about like um about inclusivity and oppression and and, 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 and oppre- yeah exact power abuse of power and so it kind of 
it kind of does in a way devalue the work yeah. so yeah yeah well said zach i i don't have anything to add other than uh i never have a problem completely dropping a piece of art you know based on what you find out about its creators and i think you know obviously the most important thing is how victims are treated in this case cynthia noggle um you know that that they are heard and believed and listened to and considered um but then you know that we that we all consider that any work of art that we enjoy you know we're finding more and more could be made by a creep right and so so i think we just we just need to get used to just letting go of those things because um there's no art that's like worth holding on to or holding dear i mean i can still look at that art and and think that it's beautiful because uh ramon villalobos is a great artist but you know i have no problem i have no problem never thinking about border town really again well, <laughs> after that, this i wanted to try to bring that up thank you for bringing that up vince um I feel like, you know, it would be devastating for me to find out that um like that Paul McCartney, maybe my favorite, you know, human being on the earth, is like a terrible person. That would bum me out because I have a lifetime of memory attached to that music. I read the first issue of Border Town for an advanced review over the summer. I have, you know, I've had illnesses that have lasted longer than the run of this book. I can forget this pretty easily. This isn't like ingrained into my skull. So there's really no reason for me to ever think about this book again after this. Um, and, uh, you know, we had mentioned this. Uh, Vince actually wrote a really nice write-up for it. Bordertown won Multiversity's Best New Series. And we did not put, we chose to pull that. And uh, I'm sorry I made you write yet another paragraph. I'm not publishing, Vince. You were going to yell at me for that, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we... In the best new series write-up, we did mention we called out all the members of the creative team from editorial on down that weren't Esquivel because it's a real shame that those people all put their time and effort into a book that was a really that really worked for us on a lot of levels, and to have their work undermined by one member of the creative team is it's I, I feel sorry for them in this situation. That is certain. There is certainly not a reason to. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say I feel sorry for them. And I, I guess the last thing that I wanted to say um, about this has left my ma- my mind. I had something to say and I lost it. Um, shit. Anything else, guys? No, that's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I hate that we have to have these conversations about comics. But we do. And uh, that's the way it is. So, anyway, moving on, let's talk about some comics. So, this week saw the first issue of the new run of Aquaman start. Um, issue number 43, written by Kelly Sudakonic, illustrated by Robson Roca. This picks up uh, an, uh, sort of an indeterminate amount of time after the end of um, Drowned Earth. 
where we see Arthur has washed up on a a remote island, and um, he's being called Andy by the locals. Um, what, what's the other name they call him in this? Aruzio? 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 Aruzio. To roll that R. I'm very aroused. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, but yeah, I... Um, this issue was definitely different than I thought it was going to be, and it introduced some kind of interesting stuff, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think first. Zach, why don't you start us off? What'd you think? I was a little unimpressed with this issue. Um, I think I was expecting something a little bit more drastically different, and also something a little bit more substantial. I don't know about you guys, I thought this was a fairly light issue um did not expect scarlet witch to show up um yeah i i wasn't blown away by this honestly the thing i think i uh was most surprised to have enjoyed was the art i thought um robson roca did really great work here vince uh yeah, I think I um I think I liked it a lot more than you did, Zach. I just think like the these these so Arthur is washed up on shore with this group of characters we've never met before, right? And I just love the way that that Kelly Sue patient and it it does end up making the issue feel a little slight, I guess. I I, I guess I would agree with that part, but but it also felt really fresh to me because Kelly Sue takes her time, builds these characters a little bit around Arthur, makes each of them stand out with a few little things that she does, um, makes them memorable, makes them likable, even though you're not sure by the end whether you're supposed to like them or not. Um, and I kind of like that. Um, and I'm kind of glad that, you know, this has kind of been pitched as sort of a Aquaman year one style of story, you know, I'm kind of glad it's doesn't feel like that right now. I, I don't think that that's necessarily inaccurate. I think that's a way to sell an arc, but I don't think that, that, that that's what this is. And I, and I kind of like it better for that, I think, um, and and I'll echo what you said about Robson Roca's art, though. Best work of Roca's career, to me, as far as I can remember, by far, I think. And there's even <laughs> there's even another issue this week drawn by Robson Roca that you can directly look at and say, oh, this is way better than that. Wait, what else did Roca <laughs> do this week? Teen Titans. I forgot that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the one of these issues had to have been done a while earlier. And I would guess that it's the uh, teen Titans one, but I mean, this is not that, not that teen Titans is awful either. Like it's perfectly crumpulent art, but this is just, this is on another level from that. This is like a beautiful book to look at. Um, I think, and the colors have a lot to do with that too. Who's the colorist on this? It's a uh, sunny go. Sunny go. Yep. Just some nice earthy, yes. very earthy colors, earth tones. 
Good shit. Brian, what did you think? Did, did, as always, do you fall somewhere in between? I was going to say, the reason I always like to go third is so I can use that line. So, as always, I feel... No. Um, I, I think I'm going to side with, with Vince on this one. Um, I was thinking about Zach's comment that it feels slight. And, and while I, I kind of know what you're going for there, buddy, I feel like the opposite. I feel like before we picked up this issue... We knew nothing of any of these characters. We knew nothing of what Arthur had been through. We knew nothing of the setting. Well, we know everything that Arthur's been through. Well, like, no, since since washing up on this shore, I guess I meant like you know, um, okay. since his arrival on this island, we know nothing about like the formation. Like these, like, I feel like by the end of this issue, we met all these characters. We found out the origin of all these characters. We find out sort of why their area is being affected the way it is. We There's a clear goal. They want Arthur to do A that will lead to B. I feel like this sets up an entire arc in one issue with very little fat on it, and yet it doesn't feel super stuffed to me. Like, overstuffed. It feels like it's a pretty good, well-paced issue that introduces <clears throat> a whole lot to it. And Robson Roca's art is insane. There is some really, really great stuff here. I love the eyes that he does on um, the old man. I forget his name offhand. Locke, I believe it is. Loke. I'm going to say Loke like he's Tone Loke. Because he's a wild thing. (laughs) I'll I'll push back just a little bit because it's not like what we are introduced to Arthur having been doing on this island is terribly interesting or anything other than slight. He's just been hanging out on the island. Um, And I think easily the most interesting part of this issue is this, um, this character in red, what's her name? Callie. Um, Yeah. And the, and the, the plot line with her mother, um, I believe are, Arthur is is uh, he, you could literally insert anyone into his role here and it would not make a difference. I mean, isn't that kind of the point of any tabula rasa story? I, I guess, but like. I just I don't feel like this is the has the makings of an of an interesting Aquaman story necessarily. I think I'm not saying it can't be an interesting story. I'm just saying I I, I was not blown away by this as an Aquaman story. To me, this this felt like the start of a promising Kelly Sue creator own title. <laughs> oh. Now you made it sound even better. Well, yeah, but it's I guess it's mostly just expectations versus um, it just wasn't I I didn't think it was anything. I I don't think it lived up to what it was kind of built up as, I guess I should say. I I was a little underwhelmed. (laughs) That's that's fine. I, I think I see. I think I see what what you're saying. Um, I think the thing about this story, when you say that it could be anybody in Arthur's role right now, 
I think the the sort of the very end, like maybe the last, you know, two or three or four page, pages or something, uh, is kind of pushing in a direction to where it says, okay, th- this is why it is a Arthur Curry story. Well, you know, on on that too, can I just say too? I think another reason I'm really, I'm more. I think I was more put off coming into this just by the status quo at the end of Drowned Earth. Um, okay. And the, and the fact that we're already being hinted, okay, so he has amnesia. We, we, we essentially, I mean, we know everything. We know that he got amnesia at the end of Drowned Earth. He washed up on this island. That's really all we need to know. There's not really much else there to it. And we know that somewhere else in the world, everything else is going on as normal. Mm-hmm. And we're already introduced to he is already introduced to Mira again in this issue, who he is sure. literally only separated by because he can't he doesn't remember her. It's not like he uh, she she could easily show up on this island, assuming it doesn't have any kind of weird mystical properties where you just like can't find it or something. He's so he's like, is lost. Yeah, exactly. Which if in it is, that'd be great. I'm yeah. in. Um, it just doesn't. It just feels cheap, I guess, a little bit. Mm. And and mostly that I think just has to do with. I, I think I I just didn't care for how this arc was set up in Aquaman and Justice League. Hmm. See, I felt like the Mira tease was just. It was one panel. It was just enough. It it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was, like, like half the issue was about him getting his memory back. Or him. I guess, but like he, he like has maybe been away from her for like a few months maybe. Right. At most. So you're telling me I, if you and Maddie were separated for a few months, you would just be cool with that? No, I'm just saying, huh? like, huh? It, it, this, it, <laughs> it just doesn't feel like huh? revel, revelationary. You know, like, this, this feels like, I don't know, maybe a little overwrought. You guys are pushing yeah. me to be more critical of this because you liked it so much. <laughs> Yeah, why well, we're just we're just trying to understand. That's all. Yeah. And, and and don't get me wrong. This is nowhere near. This did not grip me as much as any of the other recent number ones we've gotten, whether like mm-hmm. Electric Warriors or Shazam or Martian Manhunter. I think that there's there have been better DC books as of late. But I think that in terms of a of a fresh start for the Aquaman title, this is this is pretty good. I, I bet this arc is probably, you know, six or 12 months and then that'll be it. And oh. what? See, that's the other thing I want. I, I feel like this issue gives it a, a, a like a, an expiration date. Like, I, I agree with you. I think that this is like 12 issues max. But do you really want this... five years of Arthur on this island? No, but I want this doesn't feel like it's going to have any lasting change or effect. Maybe that's where I'm most dissatisfied is it it doesn't feel like a definitive Aquaman story. It feels like a 12 issue status quo. 
See, I think that the reason that it was getting like the Aquaman year one tag thrown on it is that we're going to be seeing Arthur discover his powers again, right? Because right now he's unaware of his powers, and so it's going to be his sort of rediscovery of that. But unlike like what Josh Williamson is doing with the Flash year one in the Flash title this year coming up, this is not retelling an origin. This is giving... This is your way of telling a new story that also informs the origin. Does that make sense? And I I I would rather that than just have like Aquaman year one happen within the title. I just want to be clear. I did not like this. I came away from it feeling very cool. And I feel like I've been pushed into a position of opposition only because (laughs) I have to defend my ambivalence to the issue. So <laughs> strike it into the records that uh, Zach didn't dislike Kelly, this Kelly issue. Kelly not listening yeah. to this, you know. It's I'm, fine. But I'm going to have to come back when I say I like this, and then you guys are going to say, oh, you hated the first issue. <laughs> well, you did. I'm, I'll say it right now. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I'm trying to <laughs> circumvent right now. To um, <clears throat> to <laughs> We all know how poor your memory is when you can't even remember how much you liked Dark Knight's 3 number 1. <laughs> Or Dark Knight number three. Dark Knight three. Oh Christ! Uh, okay. To uh, yeah. to quote Russia's Neil Pert, who's probably quoting uh, Ayn Rand, uh, Zach. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. So you're saying that you're you're not an opposition here, but you're by not liking it, you are choosing to uh, to dislike it. You're you're taking that position upon yourself. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah. I I feel like that that is exactly what I just said. Yeah. Yeah, so uh I'm the opposition party. <laughs> um I do think that like to, to not to just disqualify everything I just said. I think that this is a really good first issue of an arc, but I think the next issue has a lot more work to do to get to it being a good arc, but this is a good first step. Whereas like there are some there are some first issues that um, that leaves you no doubt what's coming next. This is not that kind of first issue, but I still really enjoyed it. Zach is just living in the limelight. Yeah. The universal dream. He's living on a lighted stage. It approaches the unreal. For the, for the, yeah. That's right. Where, where did so that for those come who think from? It, for those who think and yeah. feel. <laughs> We're just quoting Rush lyrics at you again. I know that, but did someone say something that prompted <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, 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 I quoted Free Will to you before. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, it's no dirty computer, no. but... Zach will choose a path that's clear. He will choose Free Will. <laughs> <laughs> what the none fuck has this show become? Not, none of us have Free Will. <laughs> yeah, we're all just living in a simulation. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> the world's shittiest and, matrix. And the Earth is flat. Also, of course, the basketball players are right. They are. Um. Yeah, I think that's it for Aquaman. Yeah. Let's uh, scooch on over to Freedom Fighters number one, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Eddie <laughs> Barrows. What's funny? This book was a trip. <laughs> there. First of all, was I the only person who was really disappointed? That the guy that the the guy in the first scene who's pulling the 
graffiti off wasn't Bibbo. I really thought that was Earth X Big Up Bibbo. Well, we don't know it's that, not, right? Well, he didn't he didn't he would say like he would say like, um, like Nazis. It's like this is Superman. So it would be like, there'd be like an extra yeah. there'd be an extra like five vowels in some word. Ah, uh, though they don't say Nazis in this book. They, they say rats. Rats. Which, which, by the way, like to get that out of the way, it felt like me. Like, okay, Ratsies is like a a nickname for Nazis, like a um, like a harsher nickname, as if they need right, one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as if like as if saying Nazi isn't harsh enough. Um. But the way that it's employed, and and I think you know, it's been used in DC Comics before. In fact, I'm almost certain that in my Wonder Woman and Detective Comics read-throughs, I came across that term for Nazis a couple times. But but I think that was more but, a contemporaneous nickname because they were calling themselves Nazis without a negative connotation. So this is like you know, th- this is the way of an outsider calling Nazis something that's bad because to to Nazi to real Nazis in the forties, Nazi wasn't a bad word. Yes. Okay. So 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 that's what I was gonna say. But then the the way that it's used so often in this book and exclusively, you don't see the word Nazi otherwise right. in this book. You only see Ratsy, and it made me think. And I don't. I'm sure this isn't the case, but I had to laugh to myself. It made me think like DC put a ban on using the word Nazi. Like, <laughs> oh, we can't, we can't, like, like the ban on Batman's penis. Like, we can't even say Nazi at this point because it's going to get too many people mad at us for some reason, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that's not the case, but that's just what I was thinking while I was reading this. Like, what, was there like an editorial mandate that they just can't write Nazi? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But, but this book was wild, man. It, it reminded me, first of all, with the Jesse Owens stuff, uh-huh. uh, the Olympic Olympic uh, athlete mm-hmm. being being like a member of the a de facto member of the original Freedom Fighters. It was like uh, when Scooby Doo teams up with the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> What's the name of this? this what I... Hang on, can... I'm looking something up. Can Keep I... talking. While while you're looking that up. Before they said who that was, and maybe this is just because of what Eddie Barris has been on previously or recently, I thought that was Alfred. Oh, what? It looks like <laughs> Alfred. With just like shadows making it it all look darker. <laughs> he, he looks just like Eddie Barrows as Alfred. All right, I'll have to look at this. <laughs> Oh my god. The, the mustache. <laughs> what? That is wild. No. No. I thought you were going to say with Jesse Owens being part of it that it was like the Pro Stars. <laughs> yes. Do you remember that show? Okay, wait. Who are who are the Pro Stars? Wayne Gretzky, yep. uh Bo Jackson yep. and Michael Jordan. Correct. No. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. For some reason, I thought he wasn't in that show because he was too expensive right, or something. So he, he, here's, that was NBA. Here's channel. a wonderful question for you, Vince. How long did Pro Stars run on the air for? You have to give me... Uh, 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 episode count? Yeah, but I'm more interested in the time frame. 
Because, like, a mm. show could be on for 20 episodes, but that's over two years, right? So, like, how long was it on the air for? I I, I got to say, I'm going to say four years. Seven weeks. Oh. <laughs> and yet we all remember yeah. it. Like, but, I... I, I I distinctly remember watching it as a kid, as if it were some long-running, uh, you know, wonderful... It ran from September 14th acclaimed. to December 7th, 1991. Jesus. 13 episodes? Yeah. Damn. I, man, Zach, do you have any idea what we're talking about? No. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he's too young. Yeah. Anyway, Freedom Fighters. He's, a, he's, like, he's like three years younger than me, but that's just yeah. enough to... How, how old are you again, Zach? Uh, 29. Okay. Yeah. Two, three years. Yeah. Wait, two years. Younger. What's your social security <laughs> number? Uh, five. Okay. Damn. You must be a time yeah. Lord. And your mother's maiden name is Fox. <laughs> Focker? Fox. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, freedom fighters. <laughs> yes, Zach. I see. I do see the Alfred resemblance. That's weird. Um, you know what else is weird? That they what? set this like first, in the first like moment in the series on the day of Kennedy's assassination in the room of Kennedy's assassination. <laughs> this is very. This very much has the feel of like again. Again, not to reference uh, stuff that I'm doing extremely off our show, but it had the feel of Robinson's Golden Age miniseries. Mm-hmm. In that, like, it's trying to tie in real life political events and and a, a time and place in with these superhero characters and making it very dramatic. It it's almost like Watchmen in that way, but it's also like way too over the top. It also is totally fine being a comic book. Yes, I I don't know that I loved this or even really liked it all that much but it's it's I, it's fine and it's wild <laughs> like <laughs> it's wild it goes places the fact that plastic man is spelled with two s's in the ss font <laughs> yeah stuff like that yep it is wild yep <laughs> the fact that the fact that the original freedom fighters all die and then it jumps ahead 55 years to the new freedom fighters and hitler 2.0 Hitler, like Hitler Jr. Hitler Jr. is literally the new Fuhrer. It's it's just it's weird, wild stuff. It, it is weird. While uh, <laughs> while uh, Uncle Sam is regenerating, he says, "Old soldiers never die." You son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, it's this book has some gusto. That's for sure. Oh, and then at the end, there's like an Iron Giant, <laughs> Nazi yeah. Iron Giant. Yep, yep, yep. With a yeah, yeah. With a Mega Buster cannon. Yeah, it is kind of crazy yeah. that like this is a mainline DC book that features a guy giving a finger and saying "Heil this, Ratsies." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like DC has been doing a lot of books lately where like Catwoman had the word shit in it in one of the first issues. And like there's nothing on the cover other than that it said teen plus. Right. 
that would that would tell you that it was going to have a little more mature content in it, and yet, yet they did it. You know, like they, I like that they don't feel like they have to slap a warning on everything. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think there's any kid like not that not that a kid can't see a middle finger. I don't want to sound like my mom or something, but like I I like that that they recognize okay, Freedom Fighters. This is not a book that you know. Junior is going to be walking into a comic book shop and and gravitating towards, you know. Well, you would have said the same thing about Batman Damn too, but <laughs> <laughs> kitties couldn't wait to get their hands on. <laughs> oh, jeez. Dot dot dot. Uh, Zach, you should record yourself talking and listen back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, look fine. <laughs> oh, I blew myself. <laughs> um yeah uh but i've talked a lot did did you guys i I don't know i think i i guess i liked it more than i didn't but i don't love it it's like a six it's like a six to me what about you guys zach the art is really good i love barrows Mm -hmm. um it's it's wild though I mean, I I think I enjoyed that most about it, just how bonkers it is. Um, I I don't. It works really well as a bunch of concepts. Like yeah, the plastic men is our thing is great. Yes. Um, using Jesse Owens is pretty wild. Um. <laughs> just how bombastic it is mm-hmm. oh man they, there's a decapitated doll man <laughs> um but yeah what i call this good probably not <laughs> but i'm 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 really interested to read the next issue so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's well said. I think we're pretty close to the same vibe on this yeah. one, Brian. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you guys have said. It this is this is one of the weirder books I've read in a while, and it's been super interesting to see like what bits of past Freedom Fighter stuff is tossed in here versus what's like a weird new take on things. I think it's fine. I am not the world's biggest Freedom Fighters fan to begin with, so this isn't like... Brian hates freedom. You guys heard it here. Yeah. Uh, I bet you didn't change the name of the fries to Freedom Fries either, uh, Trader. No, but I still call it Freedom Toast. (laughs) I only eat powdered toast. Powdered toast, man? (laughs) Yep. He's canceled. I was going to say, can we still, can we still <laughs> no, we reference can't. them? Okay. We can't. Nope. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you you were never a Freedom Fighters fan no, to begin like, with. I, these are not particularly my favorite characters in, in DC lore. But I feel like if you're going to do an Elseworld story in a limited series, you got to just fucking go for it, right? There can't be half measures, and this book has absolutely zero half measures. 
everything is is at 10 the entire time and that's exactly how it sort of should be so i'm fine with this i um like zach i'm very excited to read the second issue though i think no matter how much i enjoy the first issue i may ne- sorry as much as i might enjoy like the um the series in general i don't know that i would ever reread this it seems like a pretty good <laughs> one and done yeah um anything else to add about it mm-hmm. no that's all my notes i yeah no i'm good i do kind of wish that uh that more books went for it this way especially like elseworlds multiverse books yeah yeah i think you know actually this is a nice this is it's it's kind of in between venditti's hawkman and green lantern stuff the green lantern stuff to me was dreadfully boring yes Mm -hmm. this cannot be accused of being boring if it's nothing else you know um and then the hawkman stuff is just out of this world good um so I, I I'd prefer even if I don't really care about the characters or, or or like the book all that much, it's not boring and 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 I appreciate it on that level. So. Yes, especially when you're reading as many comics a week as we are reading, boring is the enemy. So this mm-hmm. is nice. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to some boring in a bit. Um, well, that brings us to Justice League number fourteen. Plotted by Scott Snyder and James Tynion IV, scripted by Tynion, illustrated by Jim Chung. Welcome back, Jim Chung. Um, mm-hmm. We have to talk about the end of this book eventually, but I just want to talk about how nice it was to get some time with these three characters, with, with John Stewart, John Jones, and... Uh, and Hawk Girl. Why can't I think of her name? Kendra. Kendra uh, Saunders. Ken, yeah. Um, Vince, what did you think of this issue? Um, it was okay. I think um, I I was I was much more interested in the Starro on Starman's face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh will will Peyton's face is going to explode sounds like a troy mcclure movie <laughs> or something like that um then I, then i was in the thanagar prime stuff although there there was an interesting story beat or two there um bringing back like the savage version of, well, that, of hawkman a, as a bit yeah Okay, okay, we'll talk yeah, we'll talk about that later. I mean, there was a bit or two on there that's nice. The stuff between uh Martian Manhunter and Hawkgirl and you know, do you, do you dance have you danced on Mars, you know, that stuff was really nice, but overall I feel like I'm getting my Hawkman over in Hawkman. And so <laughs> not not that this was bad, it's just not balls to the wall in the way that that Justice League has been. So I think it, it was a little bit of a downer for me, but um, Zach, what did you think? I actually really dug this issue a lot. Um, 
it was a, a little verbose in places. Um, but I really did like the balance of opening up with the the well book book ending with the Chung art and the um, Will Payton stuff. I I really liked that. But then, like Brian alluded to, I love the stuff with John, John and Kendra on Thanagar. I I a like loved that particular trio, and B I really liked seeing the stuff on Thanagar. And I actually got really like jazzed up by the Savage Hawkman thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, surprisingly. But yeah, I, I liked all of that. I think this is a cool arc. Um, I really like the way that these characters are being written and played off of each other and I really like the, how this is folding into everything that Snyder and Tynan have been doing. Like there are notes in here, you know, going back to metal and all-star Batman and this, I, I really like this issue a lot. Um, and while I didn't love Segovia's art, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I forgot to mention Segovia did a big chunk of this issue. Um, so I, uh, I think I'm definitely more with Zach on this one than I am with Vince. Um, it is very wordy. What we've established, that's kind of Tynion's thing on these books, is just to be wordier than he needs to be. But did anyone else get a nice little uh, Cloud City vibe when they arrived? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I dug that. That is an interesting no Lando, point, considering but... how the... I mean, she's Lando. Cher is she, basically Lando. Yeah, she is Lando. She, she it's not her it's ah. not her fault um yeah I got it. <laughs> that makes that makes savage hawkman Vader. yes it does <laughs> but who is lobot <laughs> who's lobot oh, oh good stuff yeah uh so like one of the things that i've i praised titans for last time we talked was connecting a bunch of weird like disparate new 52 stuff into the current continuity like the kyle being at the source wall and all that sort of stuff i feel like nobody nobody had like bringing the savage hawkman into current continuity on their (laughs) bingo card for what was going to happen in justice league especially because in hawkman we're told that all hawkman are the same hawkman and that everything like it's Venditti has found this like really streamlined way to make everything count, and that's sort of all undone here. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, but I think I think that's a plot point though. Right? I hope so. Like there's a question of why Shara and Qatar are like existing. The, yeah, I hope. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> like, Ken, well, like Kendra questions that, like in this issue. And I had the mm-hmm. I had the same thought that Kendra had when Shaira showed up. Like, oh, how is that possible? They should, you know, Shaira mm-hmm. is dead. And she reincarnated as Kendra. How is this? How is this a thing? So I, I dig that 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 was a plot point. Um, I just hope that there's a, a reasonable explanation for it. This does seem like the kind of arc that. Oh, this seems like tailor-made to be a crossover between Justice League and Hawkman. 
Um, but it's clearly not going to be. Maybe eventually we'll get something like that. Um, but Because you guys know that I am a man of my bullshit, the first thing I thought of when I turned to that last page was that Jeff Johns sent Snyder and Tynoon a note being like, a great scene would be if Hawk, if the Savage Hawkman put down his mace and said, not my blood. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks for the note. <laughs> and Snyder would notate like five other issues where similar things have happened. Because that's what he does. Uh-huh. Um, anything else to say about this? No. I, I still think this book is... This book is not going in any direction that I would have guessed, but I still like it. So I, I, I was thinking about that before, Zach. I wonder how much of this has to be in a holding pattern because of things like Odyssey being delayed. And so maybe we're going to get mm-hmm. an arc like this because they can't move ahead with the main story as fast as they wanted to. Well, but this feels, I feel like, in line with the main story. I don't I don't feel like this feels like filler. I, I, I don't think I, this I realize one, I said feels a lot just <laughs> I don't think this one issue does, but after three issues of this it might. Maybe. Yeah, I wonder how I, I don't know how long this arc is. I know it it's a little bit though. Well, let's let's jump over to Teen Titans then. Titans twenty five, written by Adam Glass, illustrated one part by Robson Roca, and who did who did the second half? Um, Max Dunbar. Max Dunbar. Yes, thank you. The first half is a uh, Crush origin story, and the second half is a. Um, we'll get to the second half in a minute. For the Crush stuff. Vince, you're the one that wanted to talk about this book, so why don't you tell us why this merited discussion? Ah, uh, well, you know, it, it's not so much this issue as it, I just wanted to catch up with Teen Titans in general. Um, this issue was fine. The we get a little bit, we get some time spent with with Crush and Jin, two of the new characters, and I both I like them both. I, I think we've said all along that the new characters are some of the highlights of Adam Glass's run on this so far. Um, I don't think this particular issue is that great in part because I think it's, you know, it's, it's number 25. So it's one of those where they do like a 40 page issue, like an anniversary thing. And it's really padded out in spots. Um, but I like crush's origin story. Um, she ends up with a family. Oh, I mean, she's she's Lobo's offspring, but she ends up with a family on Earth, and they're you know it's almost like Superman or Clark Kent's origin, except like all fucked up. Picked, you know, she's she's picked up by uh, Burning Man devotees. Yeah, yeah. stoners. I, I want to read a quote from the Burning Man section, by the way. I'm tripping hard, girl, that Molly got me chewing. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever said that in their life, except maybe Adam Glass. See, I had the opposite thought. I thought Adam Glass must have gone to Burning Man and notated what people said around him because it's just so okay. authentic. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it's sure. too weird to not be real. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Or, or maybe that's what he was going for. It's all a mind game. I think the one thing about Adam Glass's run on this title so far has been like that, you know, it's not it's not dreadful like the Suicide Squad run from the New 52 was, but there's every once in a while there's a moment like that where like, okay, this is just very cringy dialogue like the or, or this is a, yeah, yep. <laughs> but the reason I wanted to talk about this book is because I wanted to see whether you guys were caught up on it or if you're if you've been skipping it because th- when Zach and I did the show without you Brian I'm I'm pretty sure we talked a little bit about that issue of Teen Titans and I had recommended Zach go back and read it um but I don't know if he has and I don't know if you've been reading it been. because you have yeah. been and I did not <laughs> did, no. Sorry. that's too much there's too much manga to read that's there's too much manga to read um so Brian, the issue I liked in particular was the one where the, the bottle issue the, where, the, where the building had fallen on them. It, exactly. Yeah, I agree yes. Completely. Okay. Awesome. Because I thought that that was a, a good sign of things to come. And while this issue didn't continue, part of what I liked about that was that the team was coming together. They felt like a real team. They felt youthful and fun. This issue has a little bit of that. I think it would have been a lot better had they not padded it out the way that they do these anniversary ones. Agreed. Um, what, what did you guys think? Well, I, I liked some of the beats in this a lot. And I liked Wally seeing them leave, or Wallace rather, seeing them leave yes. and be like, it's cool. Go ahead, have fun. Like, that's very much yeah. a, a teenage thing to do. Um, little moments like that I liked. I thought that the, the backup, not the, not the backup, sorry, the backstory for. Crush was fine, you know, a little bit cliched in parts, but she like she grows up loving Superman, and so it makes sense that her origin is sort of like a twisted version, hashtag twisted, um, twisted. of uh, of Superman's origin. I thought it was fine. I I really disliked the backup, which we'll get to in a second, um, and I felt that some of the junky parent stuff was a little bit overplayed, and. This issue definitely gives you the correct impression that there is both a good and a bad um, Robson Roca. While this is not terrible by any means, it's amazing to think that this is the same guy who did that Aquaman story. Yeah. Zach, what say you? Mm-hmm. The main story was... Okay... I actually I liked I liked it more than I expected to. I actually didn't dislike the backup all that much. I didn't like it as much as the main story, but I also like didn't hate it. It it was overall just like an an, an okay long issue for me. And I actually like wasn't that down on Roka's art here in the beginning either. I don't think it's it wasn't bad, as good. It's not it, as good. Yeah. It's definitely not as good. Um but I feel like it does work for this for this story. Um, it's very well detailed. The colors are nice. I don't know who was the colorist. Let's see. Uh, How are the costumes? Ah, Sunny though? Go again. How are the costumes? Oh, the costumes are are they're good, I guess. They're for the most part just kind of like normal clothes. The, the, the correct answer was ten out of ten. 
Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> You're fucking up a bit, Zach. Come on. You can't go around giving 10 out of 10s to everything. Not even... <laughs> what kind of website would you be if you did that? <laughs> well, when you only work on a five-star system, what can you do? Uh, Multiversity <laughs> was accused this week of uh, only giving out nines, by the way. They don't listen to our podcast, where we don't number anything. Or read our website, because our reviewers do not give everything a nine. Right, some get eights. I, <laughs> I get it. Right. Uh, hey, if if you want to hear guys uh, shit on a lot of stuff, listen to the DC3 cast. Um, no, we're fair and, and, and optimistic. Yeah. But... And completely unbiased. Yes. Uh, there was just a bit of like geographic stuff. They're in Tuxedo, New York, which is about 10 miles from my house here, and it is nowhere near that sticky there. That's not a real name it of a is. place. My uncle lives there. You don't have an uncle. I have many uncles. <laughs> no, that's a dumb joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> So this roundhouse backup, Zach, you didn't hate it? No, I mean, I don't know. It. What was? Well, first of all, was it like was it offensive? Did I miss no. something offensive? I really skimmed. No, it. no, it was just so predictable, and so cheesy and clumsy. I mean, was it really? I definitely would not have predicted him projecting his dead sister and her helping that, okay, him so, out, escape the boat through the toilet. No. So as soon as he shows up on the boat and she shows up, I was like, oh, that has to be uh, a figment of his imagination. And it's probably somebody who's dead. And that's exactly what it was. Well, see, have we seen this character before? No. I, I, I Okay, that's interesting. I just thought it was something I was supposed to know already. Um, but, I mean, yeah, from the way that she just showed up, it was like clearly something was up and she was probably not real, but I, I thought it was kind of sweet. Like, I I didn't dislike it. Vince just In fact, now the more I think image. about it, I kind of I kind of liked it. I, as much as I could like a story about a gold balls rip off. <laughs> uh, Zach, you have to look at the cursed image that Vince sent us in the chat. Okay. Is that is that for February? Yeah, but it's it, it's going to be changed. Course, You're going to want to edit this. No, out. I'm not. <laughs> wait, I wait. I just see like a banner. You click on it and and read. Oh. <gasps> <What>? <laughs> When was that solicited? Last month, I guess. Well, last yeah. month. Dang, we would have been all over that if we had noticed yeah. it. <laughs> Good thing we didn't notice it. And we are not going to tell anyone what no, we're, we're talking not. about. This is Patreon content, baby. For a hundred dollars a month, you can find out what we're talking about. <laughs> Vince, talk about the backup for a minute. Um, it, I agree with you, Brian. Um. I, the, the one thing I did like about it was that it was short. It yes, but it also I I like how it showed you what was going on with with gold balls while he was uh, uh, 
trying to defuse that bomb or whatever. Sure. Um, I thought it was a clever way to depict that. It just it it the the comic that res- the comic that resulted wasn't it. great. <laughs> Who did? Doesn't uh, have Twitter. I I don't I don't know what he's talking about. Um. Uh, <laughs> oh God! This is a, this is a bad goof. Uh, <laughs> you started it, motherfucker. No, I didn't. I, you don't have to mention things on the air when I send them yeah, to you. Yes, we do. We can all just smile and nod and take it <laughs> offline. <laughs> or off mic, as it were. Um, <laughs> if you're listening this, this far in, I'm sorry, everybody. I, I think that's it on Teen Titans. The, I, You know, this, this issue... Is certainly no reason to 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 drop off the book or anything, but but I will say I just like the direction that the book is going in, despite not being a huge fan of Adam Glass's writing or style at all. Um, but I think it's a I think the book continues not to be cursed after <laughs> after that very cursed uh, special or annual or whatever the hell that was. I forgot about that. Yeah. Which also featured Roka on art, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a yeah, break. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with more coded messages. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach, and I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with the second half of our show. So let's talk about the good list, the okay list, and the bad list. This week, the good list involves Catwoman and Cover. The okay list is Lucifer and Pearl. And the bad list is Batman and Nightwing. Uh, We promised we weren't going to talk about Batman, but I just want to say that all three of us think it's maybe the worst issue of the series so far. That's all. Moving on. Um, All right. Wait, 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 wait. You're being kind. I believe my exact words were, this is the stupidest issue of a Batman story I've ever read. Okay. I I thought you'd want to talk about it, but that's okay. Well... So correct the record. That's sure. all. All right. Um, so let's. We care, we care a lot about the record. On this <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> uh, that we do. That we do. Um, let's um, let's dig into American Carnage, number two, written by Brian Hill, illustrated by Leandro Fernandez. I would say, guys, this was possibly just as good 
as the first issue. What did you guys think? I I would agree with that. Um, I felt like it moved a lot quicker than the first issue. Yeah. Sure, I could buy that. Um. Yeah, I felt like I felt like the pace was picked up just a little bit. Um, a lot happened. A lot of machinations, some new characters. I liked it. Vince? Yeah, I I thought there were a lot of really rich character beats in this. Um, it Thinking of, like, Billy, the ex-military vet guy who's all messed up, of course, PTSD, mm-hmm. and gets, gets humiliated at that barbecue, um, and, and just kind of how they explore, you know, why maybe that wasn't the best move for what's the, what's the main character's real name? Richard is the name that he's using for the, for the espionage, but do you remember his real name? I don't. Anyway, just Richard, you know, humiliates him at this party and they, they go over, you know, really well, like why that, why that was maybe a bad idea or a misstep on his part. And then, then the next, there's a, there's a bit later where, uh, Jenny, the daughter of this, um, conservative writer or whatever is, uh, or figurehead is meeting with Richard and her daughter's there and her daughter's deaf and, Richard reveals that he knows a little bit of sign language. And I love that bit because in other books, that would be like, that would be the thing that endears him more to these people. Right. Mm. But then in this book, that's like a warning sign to Jenny to like, okay, stay away from my daughter. And also you almost get the sense that, you get the sense that a move like that is going to tip her off that that this isn't a, a person who's really interested in joining a white supremacist. It's very compromising, I feel like. Yeah. It's like he made a play and he could have almost blown his cover just then. Right, and maybe did. Like that's the intriguing yeah. that's the intriguing thing about this book. Like it's not Brian Hill um to this point is not using a lot of cliche in this miniseries. And so you don't like the cliche thing would be that that immediately blew his cover or something. Right. I, I like that there's only the slightest hint and it's mostly on the reader's part that that could be the case and that, that we could move on to future issues and that detail is never returned to again. You know, Yeah. but, but I like that it's, Oh man. Yeah, I just I just like how measured it's really I mean Brian Hill really broke out this year. He's always been really good as far as we've been right as long as we've been reading him, but I I think this book shows so much like care. You know, it's like a, it's it's daring content, but it's very carefully written and carefully constructed. And I'll I'll, I'll bleed that over to the artwork as well. I think Leandro Fernandez does a really nice job at not making everybody the cliche of who you 
of who a lazier artist would draw them being. Everything is mm-hmm. re- there's even the fight scenes are relatively paced and not sensationalized. Like that 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 scene at the barbecue where Richard gets into the fight with with the ex military guy, like it could have been way more of a big deal, but it was just kind of handled very matter of factly. There's only a couple of moments on one page where it gets really sensationalized. This book is just so well considered and so measured. It's really a marvel and i'm 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 really hoping that vertigo gives them all the time they want to tell this story well said how many how many issues is this said to be i think it's solicited as an ongoing oh okay i thought i thought vince said it was a mini Oh, I I think I I may have said that, but I just assume everything's a mini these days. That's probably fair. Yeah. I assume if it doesn't have Batman or Superman, it's a mini. Hey, we're still at Deathstroke, <laughs> in almost the fifties, so you know anything can happen. It's solicited up to four, <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right, so I wanted to talk about Damage Number Twelve for a second. And I don't have a ton to say about this issue. Uh, I mean, first of all, it sucks. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but this has the worst characterization of Superman and Rebirth. Ooh. Did, did either Ooh. of you read this issue? No. No. So, like, 80% of the issue is Superman and Damage fighting and the Justice League literally looking on and being like, should we do something? Nah, we're not going to do anything. Whatever. Um, but... Eventually, the hour that Damage is able to be Damage runs out, you know, and then it reveals he's just this, this young soldier. And so Superman goes to the hospital and um, recovers an, uh, a veteran, a dead veteran's bones and drops <laughs> them on his bed. No. So um, oh. I'm trying to find the exact line. Sorry. Uh, you completely derailed him. Yeah, you did. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, you, you joked about that terrible issue, of Superman, and I appreciate the joke. But okay, so, um, so Ethan basically says that I just want damage gone. You know, he wants to be free of this, and Superman says, "I'm sorry, it's too late for that." And Ethan says, "That's it. What happens now?" And here is where Superman gets totally mischaracterized by Venditti. You know something? I never asked to be Superman. For my home planet to explode and my parents to send me to Earth, where I've been treated like an alien and a freak. All I wanted was to put up hay in the summer and shovel snow in the winter. The point is, we do what we we do the best we can with the cards we're dealt. Yeah. Has Superman ever spoken that way? Uh, I don't know, but it's not great. It's really bad. This is a terrible, terrible issue. And it does exactly what we talk about all the time, which is that the last panel of the book says you're in the custody of the Justice League, and the first and the first words on the cover are a showdown with the Justice League. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I I really don't like that. That that's a that happens so often. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it, according to Bleeding Cool, this book will be canceled early next year. And uh, mm-hmm. so we'll see if that happens or not. 
that would leave just the silencer and the terrifics, which is also rumored to be being canceled, or at least Lemire being done with it. So we'll see if someone else takes over that book or if that book just goes away. Ooh, you know what would be nice? What? If Jean Luen Yang took over. Ooh, that would be nice because he did that bit in the annual. Mm-hmm. That was good. Who else did that? Or who else was I on that annual? Although I did another rumor I heard this week via Bleeding Cool is that Jeff Lemire is going to do a Terrifics Black Hammer crossover for DC Dark Horse. What? Oh. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh man, I would have just assumed that things are ending on like. Bad not, terms again? <laughs> yeah, not, well, not not even like bad terms, but just like uh, this this terrifics thing didn't end up to be all that I hoped it would be. You yeah. know, I feel like that's every time that that's like the the DC Jeff Lemire story every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. That is unbelievable. You just blew my brain balls. Well, there you go. All right. Do we want to talk about Harley Quinn? We do. Harley Quinn number 56. Guest written by Mark Russell. Guest illustrated by Mirka Andolfo. Um, Zach and I really like this issue. Physics is fine. <clears throat> it was fine. I mean... I'm sure you'll try, but you can't convince me that it's any better or worse than like the average Humphreys issue has been. I think it's fine. And I think it's fine to say it's fine. And I think it's fine that you guys liked it. So how about that? Vince also hates cats. (laughs) Hey, I didn't say it was okay for you to reveal that. Uh, so this issue is way funnier than any Humphreys issue. And Maybe. that's all that this book is good for is comedy. So if I don't it... know. Way funnier? I don't know. Okay. Egg Foo. <laughs> egg Foo says, uh, don't look at me. I'm in a decent egg. That line right there is funnier than anything Sam <laughs> Humphreys has ever written in his whole life. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's really good, okay? Then, so the whole plot revolves around Harley's trying to get rid of all these cats, giving them away for free, and there are all these other pet store owners that don't want her to do this, and all of the pet stores are essentially men's rights activists. Um, there's the one store Men O Paws, which is very funny, male chauvinist pigs, and then Mike's Rent an Animal, which is MRA, are all ha- highlighted. And um, it's just a really funny, weird issue about Harley Quinn trying to give away cats and men's rights activists not letting her. <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> this is way funnier than any other issue. Mirka Andolfo's okay. art is really good. All right. Yeah. All those cats doing all those funny things. Yeah. One serving a hot dog. They're all stealing stuff. I think Vince is just... It's not the comedy. I, I think Vince is just uh, enamored with last time's hilarious issue about cancer. So, <laughs> that's... 
<laughs> and uh, more proof that DC listens to the DC three cast. There's a sign on one of the pet store dolls do- doors that says, "It says fuck you, Brian." It says, "Big dogs for real men." And we know that uh, <laughs> editor in exile Walt Richardson loves his big dogs content. We do, we do like the big dogs. <laughs> Don't we love the big dogs? Don't we love you, them, people? You saw that I tweeted uh, the big dogs Frasier thing they did, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> even though we live oh, in the dumbest good. timeline, we also live in the best of all possible worlds sometimes. Because a Frasier big dogs thing should only exist in my brain. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Still thinking about it. It's yeah. good. I for like uh, ten minutes after I saw that, I was trying to come up with a good, with good dog centric lyrics for the Fraser theme song. You know. Um, yeah. T- yeah. It, it's hard to it's hard to determine what tossed salad and scrambled eggs are for a dog. Yeah, their palate uh, is just much more limited. <laughs> My dog fucking loves scrambled eggs. I'll tell you that much. Have you ever fed your dog scrambled eggs? All the time. She flips for it. It's crazy. Well, she turns into like a what? She's this like damaged uh, the Joker. Rest, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, Sorry. in dog Sorry. form. No, she's like this this damaged rescue dog who's like very timid. But you start cooking eggs, and she's like flipping out. It's crazy. That that was actually an inaccuracy in this issue where Harley says, uh, "You know, a pet that won't eat eggs." Um, my cat eats boiled eggs because we used to put them in her food when she's a kitten. So now, anytime I boil an egg, she's there waiting. <laughs> there you go. Am I the only? See, it's am real. I the only derp who doesn't give my dog eggs. I guess so. I, I guess you don't love your dog the way you thought I you don't did. Love this dog, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's fine. Um. Well, that does it for 27, 2018. I was at twenty seventeen. That this also does it for twenty seventeen. But yeah, and if we had to live twenty eighteen yeah. again. Yeah, no. No thanks. Ooh. Uh, but um, before we we log off for the year, let's look ahead to the first week of the new year. I'll never log We've off. We've got Action Comics number one thousand six. We got Batgirl. We got Batman Beyond. Everyone's excited about that. Tech, The Flash, uh, Heroes in Crisis, Hex Wives, Justice League Odyssey. Um. Titans, Terrifics, and Wonder Woman. Hmm. Solid week. I left out the Silencer, Scarlet, Raven Daughter of Darkness, um, Old Lady Harley, and... Uh, hey, I kind of like that book. Books of Magic. So. I kind of like Books of Magic. So. Um, well, until next time, until next year, you can find me on Twitter, at Brian Needs an App. I'm at Wilker Fox. If you are looking for Vince, um, Bleeding Cool has a really juicy rumor about him right now. So if that doesn't get taken down in the next few hours, go there and check it out. <laughs> and uh, there's some contact info found there. Mm, you sly dog. And we should mention that 
it, it it's in the can. We did it. We we recorded ourselves watching Watchmen, and next week you will get a full, nearly four hour podcast of us Gosh. watching the ultimate cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen. We encourage you to listen <laughs> while you watch the film. We also encourage you to partake in any sort of uh, drink or drug or hallucinogenic of your choice to make the experience more pleasant because it is not that great. I'd say we started off pretty strong, but about two hours in, we start to lose steam. And Look at this guy condoning illicit drug use. <laughs> yeah. And it, I guess Zach's not the weed lord anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to make Watchmen more bearable. <laughs> so... It's a, it's a six out of ten. <laughs> that's, I still say that's high. I, I maybe I bumped that down to a five. I don't remember. I can't be held responsible. Yeah, I won't be held responsible. Somebody please hold Viz responsible. She, she was touching her face. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I cannot. I cannot remember. What made us think that we were wise and we'd never compromise? The verve pipe. That's right, yeah. I believe I might have actually been a freshman when that song came out. Ooh, you are old. Yeah. Let's see, how old was well, I? We, we are to come out. Let's establish that. I don't know. I'm checking right now. Nobody can say for mm-hmm. sure. Uh... It was recorded uh, in 1992, released in 96. I was a freshman in high school, the 96-97 school year, so. Well, you were only, you were only freshman. <laughs> you merely, merely freshman, forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what, there... Oh, I was seven. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, no. Hell Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not that much older. No, but like a freshman in high school. I was like... fourteen. I was fourteen, and you were seven. But it's just you know. I was fourteen, and you were seven. That's no, that's not too much. It's not too far from the Anakin Padme age difference <laughs> there. I have always thought of of you as having the raw sexual chemistry of Aiden Christensen. <laughs> Because I'm clearly Natalie Portman in this scenario. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Very talented. No. Um, I just been older, that's all. And no. older and likely to die first. So. Well. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Happy New Year, folks. We'll talk to you in 2019. I'm like Ben Affleck at the end of uh, Goodwill Hunting, where the best part of my day on Wednesdays are the 10 seconds where where, uh, where, where Comic Review Roundup is loading, and I think that <laughs> Batman's going to have like the, the proper proper aggregate review score, and then it's always like 8 out of 10. This was great. <laughs>